When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Hey, Holly. Hey, Dave. How are you today? I am doing great today. Thank you for asking. How are you? I'm good. You know, rainy and, uh, you know, it's, uh, we freak out in LA cause, cause of rain, but, uh, we have a little rain. I, I mean, it's raining. What are you supposed to do? What do you do when it rains? You, you go under a desk or what, what I'm confused. It's what do we do? We're supposed to welcome everybody to the, what difference does it make podcast and oh. give them something fun to listen to. Good idea. Stay inside. Listen to a podcast. Listen to us. Just listen to us. Actually don't just listen to us because we have a special guest, Kyle Meredith. If you live in the Louisville area, you know Kyle as the music director for WFPK 91.9. Where else can you hear Kyle? He does other things. He does. He does. He has a podcast, Kyle Meredith with. Occasionally he makes an appearance on The Morning Joe, an actual TV personality. <laughs> yes, and I was little, knowing that that he was going to be a guest on the podcast. I was a little nervous, you know, because he, like many of our guests, has a vast musical knowledge. But it turns out we we kept up with him okay. <laughs> For someone so busy, he had a lot of time on his hands. So we we talked, which actually made this episode uh, really nice. So let's get into it now with Kyle Meredith on the What Difference Does It Make podcast and our countdown of the top K-Rock songs from 1984. This is number 80 to 71. The interesting thing about 1984 specifically, it, it, it maybe, what do you call it, kismet or whatever that you that I landed in this part of your series <laughs> Uh, my wife and I were talking the other night and and she asked me what my first musical memory was. And I thought about it for a second and I said, my first musical memory was hearing Cindy Lauper on the radio. And I traced it back to where I was. I knew, um, you know, the house we lived in and everything. And, uh, and I said, that would have been, uh, I would have been three years old in that house. And that would have been 1984. So my first musical memory ends up being 1984. Girls yeah. Just Want to Have Fun came out at the end of 1983. It would have been on the radio the next year for us, you know, there. Yeah. So so it's kind of interesting that that's kind of the year that I, that I land on here because that's that's sort of where my musical journey really does begin. Well, she was kind of tied in. I'm sure, well, if you were three, you weren't watching, uh, well, actually Pee Wee came on like in 85, 86. Do you remember watching Pee Wee's Big Adventure? Oh, yeah. Yeah, because yeah, yeah. that was What's... Cindy Lauper, Pee Wee. Mm, they had yeah. like that same type of, of vibe, mm. I think. Yeah. yeah so no, it that's, is Kismet. Yeah. Yeah. So it's, it's kind of fun how this ended up here. But uh, but the list you sent me, I mean, it's, it's, it's also interesting because, you know, you're talking about K-Rock. And this was, you know, really back then, of course, was the time where you could still have regional hits. Because what I notice about this list, and uh, and I'll of course let you all guide this, but um, <laughs> what I notice about this list was that uh, you know there there's several of these that, that weren't singles. You know they, these weren't right. singles. These weren't. It's, so I'm guessing this was just the station going. Sometimes like I do here at FPK, just like well I like this song, so we're gonna put it in rotation. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That was indeed the case. And that's why it's kind of fun to go through this. Their HD2 channel is their Rock of the 80s format. And they resubmitted a list of songs, their top 80 of 1984. So they took off like 25.7 songs. 26.7. I'm sorry. I'm I'm really bad at math. Um, We've only been doing this for uh, two years. So anyway, I will ask, what I, what I like to do is, well, I'll, 
ask Holly and I'll ask you if the song is on this updated list that they made a couple years ago, if they feel like it's still a relevant song that should be played in the year 2021. And I'll ask if, if it's something that you would like would revisit and would be happy to play uh, on FPK right now or, you know, just kind of a fun discovery for you. Not that you always play new music. I just uh, was it new music Mondays. What what is your show schedule like? You're only on the air for an hour, Kyle. Sort of. Yeah, <laughs> sort of. Now, I took myself off of a regular time slot because of all the other things that I'm doing. Yeah. So, you know, because it's the Consequence of Sound series that's a partnership with FPK. So it's you know, there's the interviews and the premiere there at Consequence. And then I use them on my show and I build the six around six o'clock hour around whoever the artist is. So I you just use the opportunity for a theme, basically. It's like upcoming like the staves. OK, so we'll do a whole hour of Sister X, you oh. know, or. Uh, you just you, whatever concept, you know, something like that. It's like whatever the artist is, try to build a theme. So that's the six o'clock hour. And then I'm sort of loosely on the next three hours. It's nighttime. We don't have a host. So I do all the underwriting. And since I'm mm. also the music director, it really is just my show anyway, just less hosted than I usually would. You hear me once an hour instead of, you know, multiple times. But uh, so, so yeah, that happens. Uh, so it starts at six, but the hour, that six o'clock hour is the main one. Okay. So, so you said you do... You did about 250 interviews last year? Yeah, uh, 250 interviews uh, a year for the last three or four years at least. And then, but there was more interviews before that. That was just when yeah. I really kicked it up. So that you're doing three uh, three of these podcasts or calling them podcasts? They call them podcasts. I've had to fall in line with that. Okay. <laughs> okay. Yeah, we, w- we weren't sure if that was an actual podcast, but no, they're great. But that's, that's a lot. I mean, to have it to feature an artist three times a week, and I figured you were doing a ton of interviews, but how do you fit 250 <laughs> interviews in a year? Wherever I can. Uh, <laughs> some of these, some of my, uh, my days have multiple artists on it if I need to. So that's sort of how I fi- fi- uh, fit them into the WFPK show. Um, you know, I might double up on it if it makes sense to, if, if they're discovery artists, if both of them are discovery artists with not a lot of back catalog, you know, it might make sense to do that. But otherwise, you know, the other, I think the other part of that question is the time and it's just yeah. having really, really strict time management. Uh, I know which days of the week that I work on my show. I know which days of the week that I edit my interviews. I know what parts of the day times of the day are best to try to uh, schedule them. Although you're usually at the mercy of the artist. Um, And then adding the morning Joe component in, (laughs) you know, luckily that's always, uh, that only happens maybe once a month right now. Honestly, I mean, it's a new show and we've been through an election cycle, so I'm good to get in there once a month. And that's strictly at nine, nine AM on whatever day we're shooting at, you know, so it's that part's easier to kind of do, but but we're going to be amping that up a little bit now that the elections are over too. So let's, we'll, we'll see how that works. Yeah. Yeah. I meant more about fitting it into your life. Cause <laughs> yeah. that, that's a lot. And then there's music directing and all of that. And then there's being a good father and husband. And yeah, so this is my life. Did you just put that at the bottom of the list? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> they're around. They don't, Family. they're tired of me. Yeah. They really are. That's why you're in the basement. <laughs> yeah. Kyle, it's time for the basement. Which artist appeals to you? Like, it seems like you're all over. I've seen Ario Speedwagon and I've seen the Staves. And, you know, it's uh, it's nice. It's all over the place. But uh, yeah. is There's there a, a do you feel spot. like a I theme? Mean, is there like? No, there isn't. And I think that's 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 really operating with one hand behind your back, too. Uh, I, I, I understand that. I know the marketing side of things. I've made it more difficult on myself than I probably needed to. <laughs> but um, because this what, what you all have is exactly you have a direction you have a theme people will seek you out people know what they're getting and with me it's it's a bit harder to to you know it's a it's a longer game i should say to get the audience because i'm looking for such a specific type of person who is really into music but really not that i like every kind of music you know it's not that kind of a thing it's like you know you're into music where you'd want to hear from ario speedwagon as much as the states or something like that and and i I like operating outside of the triple a world you know as much as possible too that's that's really fun i mean you know getting to dip into the pop world um occasionally you know is it's a different conversation um, that I get to have, uh, you know, or the hair band world, you know, if we're looking at the past or something like that, it's just looking for opportunities to have a different type of interview that I would normally have. 
with people, you know, because the AAA world, we're all very close here. I mean, uh, not just the industry, but the artists. I mean, we're, you know, we're, we all have really good relationships. So I, it's very easy for me to interview my friends <laughs> or even newcomers that I know, you know, know, we know the same people. And so those, those are like, those are easy. Those are the given ones. It's just trying to find the ones that kind of rock the boats, you know, do something. Do something okay. Yeah. Let's put on Avril Lavigne. I'll talk to Avril Lavigne. Yeah. That sounds fun. Let's do that. You know, it's whatever. Let's get started, shall we? Let's do it. Shall we start talking about Kara? <laughs> All right. Kyle, we gave you songs 80 through 71. We're going to uh, just kind of tick them off one by one, just kind of get your opinion of the song. Might lead into something else. Who knows? We'll, we'll see where it, uh, where it takes <laughs> us. And I should, I should say, you know, so I'm in Kentucky. And, and that's, that's the, that's a huge difference right there in itself. You guys yeah. are in LA, you're in a cultural Mecca, especially in the eighties, yeah. you know, you're one of the two biggest cultural Meccas of the world yeah. and, and rural Kentucky <laughs> was not. So what I had as my exposure was uh, we had top 40 radio and obviously a lot of hot country radio. And we, but we did have a couple, uh, you know, top 40 stations that were, you know, they, they get, we got the hits, but we wouldn't have gotten the exposure. Like my coming of age years, you know, that really started really happening in 93, 94. Yeah. When it was just because, you know, otherwise, you know, we would have heard, just heard just the, just the big stuff, cream of the crop. Yeah, that, that makes sense. And that's probably why Cindy Lauper kind of makes you yeah. go. <laughs> we start off with number 80, as we do. <laughs> with uh with devo this song this is a song called puppet boy what were your initial reactions to this um initial reactions was was you know hearing it and wondering if i had heard it before and i, I don't think i had um it wasn't a single from the record um to begin with uh the record itself was what album six from devo it's an interesting part i've uh, i have this little motto about how much i love a sophomore album Mm -hmm. And I, I sort of mean that sometimes literally, but really metaphorically, like, I, you know, because the sophomore, the sophomore slump, whatever, I, I, I love the knowing about the disaster more than I would love knowing about the hit record mm -hmm. or whatever. And not to say that it's a, a, a complete disaster, but it was a commercial failure for the band. So hearing what they were doing long after everyone had whip it and through with being cool and, you know, all the great songs. And here you have this one which sounds exactly like a great Devo song. You know, there's nothing wrong with this song. It was just, unfortunately, if, if you know, the way I see it, unfortunately arrived in a time and place where people weren't into what Devo were serving up. It's a fun song. It's a really fun song, I think. It's, um, you know, got all the hallmarks that I'd want out of a Devo song, but that really was the first time I ever heard it, though. Holly, what, you, what, what about you? I had forgotten about this song. I, I remember it. Uh, I remembered it after I played, uh, listened to it. And I like this song better than I like their hits. And to me, this is, this sounds like Devo trying to be Oingo Boingo. It just, uh, it was like a very, I heard Danny Elfman all over this song. Uh, to me, it sounded like they were kind of lost. And apparently it did to the, to the record label because after this came out, Warner Brothers dropped them. And um, that was the last we heard from Devo for another four years when they were, they went to Enigma Records and then... Um, they put out one more and then that was the end of Devo for a while. And now they're back and they were back. They released an album like 10 years ago, back on Warner brothers, which was actually really good. I loved it. We played it. We played it a lot. Did you? Yeah. I still have the blue hats that I picked up at a record store day. I got the, uh, one of the cone hats. So that's Let me go back to your early memories of radio. Do you remember, did you listen to Casey Kasem or was there, um, in like a lot of us, you know, I would, I would record, uh, you know, his shows. I mean, we, we all seem to have that, that shared experience of recording the radio. I would do that. And even because of where I was like, I also, I have really strong exposure to Paul Harvey, you know, on the talk side of that mm -hmm. type of stuff, like, you know, good day, you know, as far Harvey would end the shows with, um, something I wouldn't listen to now, <laughs> but it was just yeah. around in, in those early days. So yeah, Casey Kasem, I mean, of course the countdown was, that was, that was paramount. That was, you know, of course, you know, I'd always tune into that one, listen to that one and, and record my own shows, whether or not I would <laughs> use his and record over him. Sometimes I think a lot of us did that too, but I would definitely do that. But did you have a cassette recorder that you, that you practiced I, I on? All, I have all my old tapes. I still have them. Yeah, all. We, there, there. Is there any Casey Kasem on there? 
Uh, probably. Yeah. This is all my old tapes are still around here, but uh, I'd have to, I don't, I haven't listened to them in a while, but, uh, I want to know if there's a nine-year-old Kyle, Kyle Meredith on the air doing his own radio show. It's funny. My first, the first show that I ever put together, like radio show I put together, I was nine. It was my ninth birthday. (laughs) And, uh, and I, I, I digitized that one because it's got all my friends on it and everything. And my country drawl is so strong, you know, especially about that point though, it really would have been coming more into the, um, you know, what would, what would become the alternative world and everything. But I think, you know, there's probably some, some hammer on there and Garth Brooks and that type of stuff. So you're right in the so, Wilson yeah. Phillips and Nelson category right there. <laughs> yeah. That's really what if, uh, and, and I had two older brothers. Um, they're both seven years older than me. And of course, so they were into like more of the, you know, hard rock, you know, warrants, that type of thing, you know, it's, poison whatnot so I, I had that exposure too but i was you know i loved huey lewis in the news i had a strong I, I bought all the my mom bought me all the time life cassettes that came out of the time so mm. i was in my youth i was really experiencing the nostalgia that a lot of you were you know, so my i was born in 81 if you say technically technically i think the gen x period leaves in 80 but i i i, I relate so much more to Gen X than any, than the millennium came afterwards. All my references are Gen X references. I saw all the reruns that everybody, uh, that all of you all saw, you know, it was, so it's really, I kind of include myself in that. So, so while I was younger and experiencing things quite different, I still had this strong sense of everything that, you know, had happened for the last 15 years as well. So well, we're all inclusive at Gen X. We'll, we'll let you in. Yeah. I was going to say, are you just trying to relate to us because we're your elders? <laughs> yeah. Not at all. This is a respect thing. Just a, you know, a little tip of the hat <laughs> to you. Like I grew up on 70s television, you know, yeah. it's, it, and, and it was the other thing is that we were just so out in the middle of nowhere, pre-internet days. So it really was, you know, that old joke about, you know, 10 years later, that's when we, everything was new 10 years later for us. So it was, uh, <laughs> So with all that, it really is. There's not a lot of difference in, you know, how my brother's, again, seven years older than me and how I grew up. It was all very similar. You yeah. know, it's I, I grew up on their stuff. So did they take you to your first show? My first show, that was Garth Brooks. They didn't take me. It That's was a family. good one. Yeah, they, that was family that family. took me out there. Yeah, and that would have been 89 or 90, right? 89, 90, yeah. something like that, 91. Yeah. It was right, oh. as he explo- right yeah. after he exploded. Yeah, you know? that's a good time second record yeah garth would be very happy to hear that the whole family took you to the show (laughs) what a great show because he puts on a show it was amazing yeah yeah i mean he was one of the ones that you know working the entire stadium Mm -hmm. uh, and we didn't have good seats and it was a stadium wasn't it probably it was it was in evansville indiana and it was a arena show maybe i can't quite remember what's there but uh but it was big and we were way up top I remember that and and not that I cared at all because it mm-hmm. was blowing my little mind at yeah. that point. And, but I remember like, you know, him, him, Garth Brooks doing like, um, like he would do concerts on TV, like ABC, you know, and that would be an event. And like, God, we would, I would be glued to the TV the entire time, like anytime those come on. But I remember his yeah. specifically just because he was so big at that time. Mm-hmm. Like it was like Garth Brooks and new kids on the block. Like mm-hmm. that was at, <laughs> at that moment in my life, that was probably my world you yeah. know, as far as pop music goes. Do you remember the first show you went with your friends? Yes. Uh, Farm Aid 94. Oh, wow. That was here in Louisville. They came to Louisville. Uh, and I, I, the funny stories about that, that was my first contact high. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> it was my freshman year of high school. I went with my, uh, my older cousin and all of our friends. Um, she's my best friend back then. She, she was, she's the one that had the driver's license. So she was also senior. So it was the senior, you know, mm-hmm. taking up the freshman, you know, mm-hmm. and uh, with all of her cool friends and we went to farm aid and big at the time. And that were playing farm aid that were the newcomers were the Dave Matthews band on, on the, under the table. Um, what would you oh. say had just become a hit <laughs> mm-hmm. and Hootie and the blowfish who had just had a hit with letter cry only want to be with you. Hadn't become a hit yet. So it was right before they even went bigger, bigger. 94. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. yeah. But uh, so I, I, I had both of those CDs and, uh, of course, Neil was there and, um, and, and Willie was there. Mellencamp was yeah. there, but, uh, but I was really there for Hootie and Dave and yeah. Hootie comes out and it's a fun show and Dave comes out and I did not know what jam music was at this <laughs> <Right>. point. <laughs> that would blow and your so, mind. Yeah. yeah. So I'm, I'm, I'm ready for it. You know, I'm a pop rock kid at that point though. So here they are, they go into the songs and that song is still on. And th- <laughs> is this song still on? And I gotta go pee. And I come back and it's still on. <laughs> I hated it. 
<laughs> yeah. I, I was like, just get to the chorus, man. Right. <laughs> Appreciate it differently now, of course, but uh, but yeah, that was the, that was the first show that I sort of like that. And then it would be a couple years later before I got my first like club show, uh, like in a bar, whatever club, and and that was Seven Mary Three. Oh, <laughs> yeah, that would be. Let's have been like nineties. Oh, shoot, I'm trying to think. What was what was the song? I can't remember that. Um, they broke through with Cumbersome. So, yeah, that was it. Came in during the second album, Rock Crown. Uh, which, by the way, of uh, bands that are unfairly judged by one sound that would become something different. Unfortunately, Seminary Three never got to live down Cumbersome and that sound and everything. But they sort of went the Tom Petty and the Heartbreakers route after that. Um, it was like Rock Crown. I go back every now and then every few years and I'll listen to it and I try to separate the nostalgia, but it's such a strong, cool record. There's some dated songs on there, but uh, it's kind of um, a singer-songwriter folk record. It's really beautiful. Oh, really? Okay. Yeah. Or what, was it kind of like a Yarl sound? Yeah. Like, rah, 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 rah. Yeah, like that. Yeah. <laughs> and, and Jason Ross and I, the lead singer, we'd become friends later on. He kind of skipped out. He's like completely retired out of the industry these days, uh, you know, but... And I would tell him all the time, I was like, dude, if you just, just go under your name, don't go under seven, Mary, three, you could have a career. He's an amazing songwriter, but wasn't meant to be. Was seven, Mary, three, was that a chips reference? Was that, it, I'm was, a cops, it was a cop reference. I think it was from chips. Was specifically chips. Yeah. But yeah, I know it was, it a, I remember, I know it's a police reference. I didn't so. know that at the time. Yeah. Yeah. I'm pretty sure. I, th I, I think that You're was Larry. So far Will away from 1984 and Devo. Right I know. Now, I'm right. sorry. You dude. <laughs> We're going from the 90s to the 70s. <laughs> all right. Okay, you want to go back to Diva? You want to know if this song is still on the list. Oh, that's right. Where were we? Um, all right, so Puppet Boy, not a single, but it's Devo. Is it still on the list? I'll let Kyle answer first. You're asking if I would still put it on the yes. list? Yes. If so, when K-Rock pared down their 106.7 yeah. songs to a, to a no. list of 80. No, I, I say no. Now, I'm going to say this is only because I think Devo has to be represented and I don't think they would be represented elsewhere on this album. No, that they're not on this list. And this will be the last you will ever hear from Devo on K-Rock. They are no longer on the list. It's yeah. Devo is done. Then because I wouldn't have thought that this song was on the list. Yeah. I was overthinking it. Yeah. Don't overthink it. Just, <laughs> just go with your gut. You know, again, like the SAT first thoughts, just go with it. That was a really long time ago. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> All right, talking with Kyle Meredith on the What Differences Make podcast, but uh, let's take a quick little break and be right back. Hello, Pantheon podcast listeners. Christian Swain here to tell you more about my experience with Raycon earbuds. Our family now has three pairs of Raycon earbuds around the house, and my wife just grabbed a pair of the headphone pros to replace some headphones from a company that was double the price. And yes, she loves them. Now, if you haven't pulled the trigger on a pair of Raycons, or even if you have, but you're in the market for another pair because they're just that good, well, now is the time to check them out because they just launched their upgraded model of the best-selling everyday earbuds. With Raycon's upgraded everyday earbuds, now you also get active noise cancellation, ergonomic design, and multi-point connectivity that lets you pair with two devices at once. New quick charge function, three customizable sound styles plus awareness mode, available in a variety of vibrant new colors to complement any and all skin tones. I even have a pair of earbuds in a cool green color. I have tried just about every earbud known to humankind, and these Raycons are fantastic. Seriously, if you've been wanting to check out Raycons, there truly is no better time. You're going to ask yourself why you didn't check them out sooner, and Raycon offers a 30-day happiness guarantee. So what are you waiting for? Go to buyraycon.com slash pantheon today to get 20% off your Raycon order, plus free shipping. That's right. You'll get 20% off and free shipping at buyraycon.com slash pantheon. Buyraycon.com slash pantheon. Welcome back to the What Difference Does It Make podcast and our guest in helping us count down the K-Rock 1984 top 80 to 71 songs. It's Kyle Meredith. 
Yeah, right. So here we go. Yeah, it's the Go-Go's, Head Over Heels. Another band, this similar like Devo, this was going to be their last album for a, for a while. Mm-hmm. The album is Talk Show. This was their third album. Listening back to Talk Show, as I, I think I thought at the time, Talk Show was a much better album than, than Vacation. Nothing was as good as Beauty and the Beat. Mm-hmm. But... Um, but yeah, this was this was a really good album, although it did not do very well. Head Over Heels did it kind of represent the the Go Go's pretty well. What what do you think of it? The, what are your memories of the Go Go's as a kid? Uh, I mean, the, of course, the Go Go's were uh, you know a huge part of every like that's one of the bands. This you know that that definitely did transcend Middle America. Yeah, you know, and 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 knew their hits. You know, this was a song that I knew. It wasn't a song that I listened to very often, but a song that I knew. I went back and. I wanted to see the music video and I, I was laughing at how bored everybody looked in the music video. <laughs> right. Um, what's her, what's her name that's playing the keyboards in it instead of the guitar? I can't think of her Charlotte name. Charlotte right Caffey. Yeah. yeah. She just looks like she's like, it's this fake smile. She's like, <laughs> yeah, you know, this whole thing. And, and then, you know, sort of remembering what you were talking about, how it was, you know, later on and they were in a bad spot. You know, I looked that up and they, it's mm-hmm. like, Oh, all of this makes sense. What I like about the song now is how much you can hear the song in it and not the decade. And mm-hmm. that's, you know, as that's important for, you know, you, you know, it's a good song if it can transcend the decade. And, and while you've got a lot of the eighties production on there, you can hear that. Like I can, I've never heard the demo of that, but I can hear the demo of that song. Mm-hmm. I can hear the acoustic version of it. You know, it's, it's, it's there pretty good. So, and that's, you know, as far as uh, fun little quirky pop rock songs go, I think it's a, you know, fun little quirky pop rock song. <laughs> You're not looking for any deeper meaning in it. They tried to put deeper meaning into it in the interviews, but uh, it's, yeah. <laughs> you know, their intentions were there. But uh, I just think, yeah, it's it's just, you know, it's, it's some good cotton candy. It certainly is. Holly, what do you think of this song? I love this song. <laughs> yeah. I, I think I would, I, well... First of all, this song was written, you know, by Kathy Valentine and Charlotte Kathy. Talk show was not nearly as good for me, good an album for me, but still now knowing what we know about them and the place they were in, it's kind of hard to separate, you know, you're overanalyzing, you know, well, where were they here? Like I, I listened to this. Did we talk about this? We got to talk to Kathy Valentine last year for her, uh, to promote uh, her memoir, Mm -hmm. which is really good. We're worth uh, checking out as she mentions in, in her book every one of these band members were going through their own personal issues. It's quite a story. We talked about, like you, you mentioned how bored Charlotte was. Um, and you could see, uh, we had talked about during her interview, the final performance of, um, of the Go-Go's at, uh, it was like a rock and Rio show. And Kathy yeah. was really into it. Uh, you can watch it on YouTube. You could see Kathy into it. And the rest of the band members are bored as hell. And they're just want to get off the stage. And Kathy just said, I was oblivious. I had no idea. I was like, this is great. Look at us. We're playing to a mil- you know, half a million people. This is, this is the best. And that was, that was the end of the no band. no idea it was going to end. Yeah. Yeah. And that's, uh, that's kind of, uh, you know, when you watch yeah. that video, you kind of get right. the same thing. You look at that yeah. like, uh, what can we get the camera off of me now? I'm just, I just <laughs> do not. This is just, I think this is a great pop song. It's a, it's a great, it has everything you want. And this is funny. I read a quote from Jane Weedlin. I just think it's a classic, like a little pop truffle of chocolate. That's just completely delicious. There you go. Kind <laughs> of what, kind of what Jane. Kyle touched on there. Yeah. Uh, yes. All right. So is this song still on the list? I'll say Yes. Absolutely. Yes, it made a big jump. It's now at number forty-five on their updated list. You know, Goodness. LA band. They gotta, you gotta keep, uh, you gotta keep the Go Go's on there. Uh, let's go on to number seventy-eight. Uh, this is a band called Romeo Void. I don't know if you know of this band, Kyle, but uh, well, this do. was this was their one hit. Although it didn't even, I always thought of this as a bigger hit than it was, but it, it only reached up to number thirty-five. It's a, a girl in trouble is a temporary thing. And what were you, what'd you think of this song? You- so this is a lost classic. This really is. This is one of those, this, this should be played so much more often these days than, than it is. Yeah. Uh, I was not aware of it in the day when yeah. it was in its moments. I, I wasn't, it, yeah. and it came off later. And it's because one of my nerdy little hobbies that I've had for a long time is to go back and read old radio trade magazines. <laughs> yeah. And they're all cataloged online. Uh, I mean, it's similar how I've, you know, I mean, I had launched a subscription, but it's sort of in that vein that I'll go back and read really old R&R or, you know, just any of them, uh, Gavin, you know, all of that stuff. Yeah. Music trades. Yeah. I'll- yeah. And I go back just for the fun of it when I have free time every now and then. And I'll pick, a, usually I'll just pick like a big round anniversary year 
Mm-hmm. And, you know, and I'll read it that. And that's how I really found out about Romeo Void. Um, as like I said, the song really didn't, uh, it wasn't a big thing over here, but it was some years back that I, I kind of found it. And it was like the name kept popping up and it was doing decent on the charts. And it was like, what is this? And then listening to it and going, what a great song, you know, what a great song. And, you know, for whatever reason, it didn't do the thing that the other songs did, you know, or something like that, which is a, a shame because when I listen to this now, it's like this, this should have, this should have had more legs in it. Mm-hmm. it seems to have done i mean nice use of a sax right not too much just some really tasteful sax all the way throughout <laughs> appropriate yeah when going back for this and really listening to it with with this in mind the production stood out because there's no dominant instrument like everything yeah. is mixed out front like everything is mixed out front mm-hmm. Which uh, kind of gives it its own little flavor, I think. But yeah, I, I'm a I'm a big fan of this song. I don't know if you've ever heard they had a, an earlier hit called uh, just a local hit in L.A. It might have gone on to play it on some other alternative stations around the country, but it was called Never Say Never, which uh, had the the most memorable line was I might like you better if we slept together. <laughs> yep. You remember? Yep. Do you, have you heard, no, you've heard no, that no, one? Well, too. Yeah. 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 Um, yeah. yeah just uh, she's very talented. Just. Uh, the whole band, actually, they're really good, but you're really good lyricist. Uh, and what, what were your thoughts, Holly? Before this, before doing the research, I might have thought Never Say Never was a um, was a bigger hit. Well, that's because we heard it on K-Rock as kids, well, and you're like, I you assume. Covered, too, because I was familiar with you were, the huh? song before I was familiar with the original. Oh, okay. So that's, I, I want, like, if you would ask me yeah. the same thing, which was a bigger song, I probably would have never say never. Oh, wow. Okay. Yeah. It made number 35. But I, uh, yeah. if you look on YouTube, you could see their performance on uh, American Bandstand, you know, their mm-hmm. interview with Dick Clark. And they were a good band. I yeah. Really, yeah. That's kind of, a, I, I wish uh, we could have gotten more from them. Yeah. Yeah. That's which is a shame. So we, we did touch on saxophone. Do you have some? I gave you a, on the cheat sheet. I listed, hey, what sax, what's 80 sax songs do you like? Oh, I, I missed that on the cheat sheet. I, I missed <laughs> that, that line on there. But you must uh, have, like, off the top of your head, you must think of, like, a man eater or an urgent. What? what, what? Sure. Of course, now I'm going to blank because I'm on the spot. That's, that's <laughs> the only problem. Because, of course, the first thing when you come to mind is, is a 70s song. It's not an 80s. It was Baker Street. Well, yeah. It's like the greatest, you know, sax riff of all is time. Is it? Or, I don't know, Careless Whisper. I mean, come on. There's. <laughs> Let me tell you something. You hate me for this one. I can't stand that damn song. Ooh. I hate Careless Whisper. <laughs> Oh. It's not my favorite either. It's not. It's probably one of my least favorite. Oh, how dare both of you! Also. Both. Oh, yeah. for shame, both of you. God. I did see Jacket. My morning Jacket covered uh, Careless Whisper. They did. At, right. um, Forecastle Festival here in town once, and uh, and and threw bananas at the crowd the entire time they right. were seeing it because why not? Yeah. There's no relation. <laughs> because to that. My, because that's, that's my that's morning my Jacket. Favorite moment of Careless Whisper. It's really my only. Uh, my wife, Jen, huge George Michael fan. So, of course, she hates that I don't like it. I think it's okay, especially even more so if you are a fan, because I am a huge fan of George mm. Michael and Wham. But that still is one of my lesser songs. I wouldn't put it in a in a yeah. top 10 necessarily. Is this song still on the list? Is it on the list? I want it to be on the list. <laughs> okay. I want it to be on the list, but it's just so kind of lost to time that I would fear it would be not. But I'm gonna I'm gonna I'm gonna overthink this, uh, Holly. I'm gonna I'm gonna overthink this. But at the same time, you'd want to have some cool cred, so you would include it on the list. I'm gonna gamble and say it's on the list, even though I don't think it will be. The dice. All right, Holly. Where do you think? I'm not overthinking it. I think it's on the list. Yes, for sure it is on the list. (laughs) Although I shouldn't say for sure, but yeah, it it was, it's, and I think it's because it's an LA thing. It did so well in Los Angeles Mm -hmm. and that's why they still play it. We're going to a B side. This is uh, Duran Duran's Make Me Smile, a cover song. The name of the band is Steve Harley and Cockney Rebel. Kyle, as a guy, as a student of past songs, maybe did you ever study (laughs) the UK and their, their past hits? Because this was a number one smash. I do. I didn't know the song. Yeah. Um, I didn't know. But reading about it, it's been covered like a bajillion times. (laughs) So how this song said by me, I didn't know this Duran Duran uh, performance. I didn't know. I've never seen the video before. Now this one, again, (laughs) Duran Duran's one of those inescapable bands of the 80s. So, you know, it's, uh, of course, I was familiar with a lot of their their catalog at the time, but this wasn't one of them. This wasn't a song that I ever saw. And um, so seeing it for the first time now, uh, listening to the song and then finding out it's a cover and then realizing I don't know the cover either. And it's like, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> so, you know, but it's, um, 
here, here's a few thoughts with that in mind. <laughs> all right. The live video, I always thought was a cop out. I hated when my favorite <laughs> uh, bands yeah. would do the live video. Uh, if it were still a thing now, I would still hate it now. I was like, oh, come on. The live <laughs> video. And you know, it's like, I don't want to see it. I don't want to see it. So I, I would have felt like that then. There were a few bands because of my age that I would have loved to have been in the crowd in the moments. Like my wife and I talk a lot about, you know, we're huge Tears for Fears fans. Um, and and it's one of, she, she'll every now and then she'll say, I just wish I could go back in time and sit in a mall when <laughs> Tears for Fears were still new and huge. And Duran Duran's kind of like that for me. Like, mm-hmm. I, you know, I, I could see them now, it's different. So while I think the live video is a cop out, I would have loved to have been any of those kids in that crowd of that one. Yeah. And did you, did you listen to the original song? I didn't what? go back yet. Oh, you no. didn't watch these guys? No, not yet. I mean, yeah. it is super. I mean, we talk about the eighties. You watch uh, Steve Harley and Cockney rebel. This is 1975 encapsulated. It's got everything you want in a, in a 1975 rock band, just the hair and like fur jackets and just, uh, you know, just good time rock and roll. Yeah. It's, it's pretty perfect. I'm, glad that Duran Duran covered I'm it's always nice when bands cover songs like you mentioned with uh, with Romeo Void you wouldn't have discovered Romeo Void if it wasn't for this cover song so mm-hmm. you know a lot of people I mean through REM I discovered a lot of songs you know the Velvet Underground Femme Fatale mm-hmm. you know I wouldn't have I went back to that and you know they did Toys in the Attic I that was the first time I think I heard Aerosmith do that like oh okay <laughs> It's it's nice when a band kind of pays tribute to uh, to the past, and hopefully a lot of fans will go back and listen to uh, to the, the songs that influence them. If you like us, well, you're going to love these guys. That's my exposure now. So now, at some point, I will yeah, I will find more. Oh yeah. <laughs> I want. I do want to say something. This is it's interesting perspective. You're talking about live videos being a cop out, Kyle, and I, I understand. I know a lot of people do feel that way. But it's funny, back in the day, I remember, this is early MTV, and bands were doing, you know, videos, like Mm -hmm. stories, you know, full stories, and and I liked it, I enjoyed it, but oftentimes I really enjoyed the live, the live performance, because you want to see your artist performing live, you know, your, your favorite artist performing live, there's just something about it, even though sometimes those were cheesy, also not, you know didn't feel like they were real performances right but i i enjoyed that too like sometimes i struggled with the stories because they were so cheesy yeah i don't know that for me i guess maybe it was because i was younger but uh i don't know i'd still no, i'd still do that now like <laughs> like it's so pearl jam you know we were talking about that a little bit and that, that was really my coming of age like obsession i spent a lot of money seen a lot of shows <laughs> 50 some odd but you know famously stopped doing music videos after the 10 album and then when i think it was by Nar- it wasn't by Naro, it was it might have been riot act the one after that so we're talking about the early 2000s records anyway they finally did videos again but they were always live on stage if not in front of an audience just live on stage and i was like oh no no we didn't wait 10 years for this you know it's i didn't i didn't want that i can go see a show or or i can watch the concert you know my dvd at the time you know for me i i guess yeah i wanted that because and this is i've thought about this a lot as as even now i'll go back and watch a lot of these uh videos and compare them to what bands are these days i mean we talk about you know the bands of our youths being gods just you know they were gods these people and you don't get that sense now because everybody is so human and accessible. And it was the stories that really made a decade. It was, you know, it was, it was those, it was sensational mythical music videos. They weren't real. You know, they were, they were these created worlds that we lived in that we saw multiple times a day and we started building our personalities around and we put our clothes, you know, to make sure that they represented us like that. And so for me, that's what it was. It's like, I was missing out on something i don't want to see you sweating on stage because i need you to not be human you know i think that's is a, is a much longer version of what i was actually thinking at the time because i'm pretty sure i didn't put that much thought into it <laughs> but that's sort of the um the, the therapy uh version <laughs> okay you might be bringing me around why well, i needed that yeah so we were talking to make me smile of yes. course we're talking only about duran duran we could yeah i understand <laughs> is make me podcast. is make me smile by duran duran on this list no no nope. no is correct <laughs> good job you guys are getting good at this <laughs> all right 
I like that I have an edge being from Los Angeles. <laughs> right? Okay. Here we go. Uh, number 76, Depeche Mode. Get the balance right. Mm -hmm. I just had Martin on my, my series um, did you? years ago. Yeah. You did? Yeah, it's a fun little time, yeah. What is he? How is he? How is he? Oh, he's, he's great. He's great, yeah. Because he's he's out there now, right? He's in L.A., I think is where yeah. he is. Yeah. Is he promoting something or what? Uh, yeah, he's got a new uh, instrumental EP. Mm. You know, he's such a great lyricist right. and, and yeah. melody writer. And, and so the, one of the first questions that someone else, I didn't, uh, you know, another interview had brought up, why, why weren't these full songs? He's like, what the hell am I going to write about right now? He goes, I've been inside my house for a year. He goes, I never go out. I have no, no inspiration. It was enough for me to do instrumental songs. Yeah. It's a concept. It's instrumental, but it's a concept album still. Mm -hmm. uh, I won't go into the, all the details, but it's, it's sort of the whole, that story of, um, comparing like uh, chimpanzee to human and you know how we've screwed things up but it was yeah he was a great interview and everything and and depeche mode i mean they're if not a top 10 band for me then a top 15 band for me did you listen to them at the time at the time what like here in the in the, in the 80s yeah not when this song yeah. would have come out. Yeah. I would. I came. <laughs> it was on three. The like, 90s. Sorry. Yeah, I guess I should have said 90s a little. Well, I'm sure like Personal Jesus was probably your first exposure. So Enjoy the Silence was one of the first videos I remember. Mm. And, it, you know, it struck such a tone with me, you know, with, you know, with the crown and everything and walking out in, into the mountains and nature and all of that to the point where when my son was little, he got a crown and I would put a cape on him all the time just so I could have him reenact that video. So, so Enjoy the Silence really was probably my, f it, like probably my first exposure to Depeche Mode. And, I, and I'm, I'm a huge fan of 90s Depeche Mode too. I think It's No Good is one of their greatest songs. It's one of the sexiest songs of all time and mm -hmm. which they do really good at. Mm -hmm. But yeah, I was really quick to kind of go back and uh, start listening to some of the albums as well. If I have my preference, I'd still put on like, probably their greatest hits album, you know, because I think, I think they're like, you know, when you become a fan of a band, we'll bring up REM again. When you become a fan of a band and you're a really good fan of the band, you want to listen to the deep cuts as much as everything. And I'm, I love Depeche Mode and I love their album tracks, but I still probably put on their greatest hits like, cause their greatest hits are so good. <laughs> yeah. You know, it's like hard not to listen. Like they don't get overplayed to me. It never been personal Jesus or enjoy the silence. I could listen to right now and just be completely happy with too. But you know, I, I like this song again. So this was still when they were coming out of being the pop, you know, since pop band mm -hmm. at the beginning, you know, it was the transitional moment uh, you know, they were a quartet again for a second with Alan in the band, you know, that's an interesting <laughs> kind of point uh, going back and watching the music video. I didn't know the story behind it. Um, but the first thing you see in the music video is of course, Alan singing, uh, <laughs> mouthing the parts and, and and as I read, it was because the director assumed he was the singer and the band was too shy to correct the director. <laughs> so they just let him shoot it like that. So, you you yeah. think about it, they were probably in their early 20s and still, mm -hmm. you know, like, all right, let the director do his thing. Maybe that's what he wants, you know? Yeah. <laughs> yeah now, if I had seen that video at the time when I was at, it would have scared the shit out of me. <laughs> I, I'm certain about that. Like, like in the way, like the Willy Wonka was a little bit creepy, even though it was supposed to be a family movie, you know, and had that weird British mm -hmm. darkness to it. Like, like when I look back on this one going that, that video probably wouldn't have meant to, but I would have been kind of like a little bit scared of this, uh, afraid of this band. Yeah. I am a huge Depeche Mode fan. And this actually is one of my favorite songs. And I am, I have no shame in saying that their greatest hits are some of the greatest songs of all time, but I didn't remember this video. So I was so glad you sent it, Dave, because <laughs> I, I didn't remember it. And it, I thought it was, I, I, I can see how you might find it a little bit scary, a little bit, uh, you know, stressful. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's, 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 you know, it's that clockwork orange vibe, that yeah. undertone, you know, that's got to it. So, yeah. It's... But I just love them so much. And I actually, before I knew that the mistake with Alan Wilder, I had to watch the video a couple of times going, wait, wait, who's singing? You know, who's singing the video? <laughs> right. Yeah. This was great. This was so, uh, it was great to see again. I listened to it. It's on my regular running mm -hmm. playlist. So. Mm -hmm. I hear the song all the time, but it withstands the test of time and it is absolutely on the top 80. <laughs> I'll say it's on the top 80. Yes. Yeah. Well, it most definitely is. It's yeah. number 59. It's kind of interesting how just get the balance right. It's like lyrically, it's like, go ahead and try, but you're going to fail. But try anyway. It's like when you think you've got a hold of it all, you haven't got a hold of it all. When you reach the top, get ready to drop, prepare yourself for the fall. You're going to fall. It's almost predictable. So, you know, time Charlie's. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Right. I also 
didn't know that there's an exclamation point at the end of the song. Mm. I mean, at the end of the title of the song. Mm. Mm. I, it's I, demanding. I say it completely different. That one's right. <laughs> I, I was just thinking about some of the other songs. If you applied the idea of this one, like just can't get enough, but you could get enough. You know, it's, it's no good, but sometimes it really is. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> right. Dream on, but not too much because you'll wake up. As we talked about the pandemic, go out, spend money, but don't just stay inside. But you know, you can go to restaurants, but don't just have it delivered to you. It's yeah. It's a safe. This could be the theme of a whole other podcast too. Yeah, it really is. There is in the video we touched on it. There's uh, they're playing video games, and I would imagine that maybe a nine year old Kyle Meredith, uh, you know, was in mm. was playing some video games. Which what would you uh, do? You have any favorites? We had an Atari, and I still have it. It's right over here. It's of course right you do. Yeah, it's um, it's right next to my NES and and all the other things. My <laughs> office is just my teenage bedroom. It's a that yeah. I've just carried yes. along with me through the years. It really is a museum, a Kyle Meredith museum of, of characters. I mean. <laughs> Even the the clock next to me is still my alarm clock from way is back right? in middle school. You know, my wife won't let me have it in our bedroom anymore because it, it's la- right. There was a loud. It makes an alarm clock yeah. sound. <laughs> my God, that's what it's we lo- woke up to. Instead of electronic cord on it, but you know, it's got the phone, and I would, oh. I would literally call radio stations and request songs with this phone here. So it's <laughs> kind of fun. And Ticketmaster. Right. <laughs> I would have done, yeah, yeah. I would have done that too. Oh my god! But um, yeah, the arcades. I think they were playing Galaga in that video, weren't they? If I remember right, Galaxian. Galaxy. That's it. Yeah, that's <laughs> it. It's a Galaga. Yeah. But we had in Litchfield, we had a a bowling alley that had an arcade in it. But me and my brother, one of my brothers, there's a Mr. Getty's, one of those buffet, you know, pizza places. Yeah. Uh, that you get the buffet and everything. And uh, but anyway, they had they had the small game room. And uh, it was smaller than bowling alley, but that's where me and my brother would go all the time to do. Uh, he liked the arcade. I liked the pinball. I still love the pinball. We have <laughs> now huge arcades around town since that nostalgia rolled back around and people can actually make money at that again. And there's, you know, rooms around here that have like 200 pinball machines in it and, and whatnot. And uh, we we haven't been able to in the last year, of course, yeah. but, but we'll still do that. We'll, you know, me and my whole family will grab a pocket full of quarters and, right. and head over, you know, spend an afternoon. Do you have a favorite pinball machine then? Indiana Jones. Oh. It's an Indiana Jones machine. I was trying to think. I, I think it's tied to the last crusade, if I remember right. I, I found it once at a truck stop here in Kentucky <laughs> that we would stop it. It was it was a midway point between my mom and my dad's house. You know, child of the 80s, divorced. <laughs> yeah. <Wow. laughs> it, we, it was a midway point, so we would usually stop there once my mom was dropping me off or my, or my dad was picking me up or whatever. It was, it was all like a half an hour away, but it was just, you know. We'll yeah. stop there. And so I would always go in and play the Indiana Jones and I loved it. And for a long time, you know, it was out of my life. And then one day I found it again uh, <laughs> here in Louisville too. And, uh, and I was able to play it again. Like, no, this is a great machine. So I, I, I I've said it before. Uh, I haven't made it in my life yet because I don't own that machine. I'll know <laughs> I've made it successful, successful. Uh, if I can uh, afford to buy that Indiana Jones pinball machine, <laughs> bring it into the basement. Yeah, you, you, that's that's a good goal. <laughs> Life goals. Good for you. Yes. <laughs> Keep reaching for the stars, Kyle. Okay, we already touched on Get the Balance Right, number 59 now on the K-Rock charts. Um, now we're at 70. God, we're only halfway through this. Okay, we got to. Uh, all right. Number 75, Spandau Ballet, Revenge for Love. Also, the last time we will hear from Spandau Ballet. Right. So... Growing up, of course, the only song of theirs that I would have been exposed to for the longest time would have been true. This is one of those classic cases of future people, I think, not realizing how big a band was in their day Mm. and that they just didn't make the classic jump. Yeah. Because I know, you know, going back and I was saying like reading old trades, just going back and reading magazines and seeing old interviews. They were like a big band at the moment. You know, they had multiple hits. They were Mm -hmm. a thing that you would pay attention to. And then something happened and they just didn't make the jump to the next generation, you know, other than, you know, probably what uh, around the time wedding singer, Adam Sandler's <laughs> yeah, wedding singer right. came out where we started finally getting nostalgic for the 80s. You had to have a little bit of time there, right? My mom had their greatest hits, uh, greatest hits CD. Yeah. And so I was aware of them and everything. But honestly, I think she would only ever play true. Of course. Because they weren't that song either. That was not, that's not the best representative song of what they were. I mean, this song right here, this is what nearly post-punk, you know, 
when you hear true, that's like a romantic ballad, you know, a new romantic at least, but this is more like a post-punk song for them. I was really surprised in this one. I, I, I kind of dug it and was like, I feel like this is one of those things I need to go back oh, yeah. and, and dig a little deeper on. Highly recommend because true is not representative of, I don't think true is representative of them, of them as a band. And I think it was definitely their internal strife that didn't allow them to go further because their voices, everything about them. They, I mean, they had it, they had it all. Tony Hadley's voice I think is fabulous. Definitely worth going back to revisit. Yeah. But this song, I had also forgotten about this song. All right. Revenge for Love, Spandau Ballet. Is this song still on the list? I like it, but I'm going to say no. I'm going to say no too. That is correct. It is no longer on the list. Bummer. But and once again, they miss out. I know, but Ki- the, the jump. Yeah. Kyle still likes it. He yeah. will play. I'm, I'm looking forward to hearing the, the these songs now. We'll do it. <laughs> you know, he's a powerful man in, uh, in Louisville. He can play whatever the hell he wants. <laughs> Powerful men in Louisville. That's uh, what is that? I don't know. <laughs> We're going to have a Spandau Ballet revival. They're going to they're going to play. Th- do. Yeah. Okay. This is another one of Holly's favorites. Uh, her band. <laughs> she loves these. That's why we do this podcast. Yeah. You could pretty much say that about well, every one of these artists. All right. So Jim, this, this is, is one of my. Fa- I love uh, this band. Okay. So it's yeah. Simple Minds. The song is Up on the Catwalk. Go ahead. This is this is one of my least favorite singles by one of the bands that I do love the most. So that's a, it's an interesting kind of, I don't hate the song. It's, it's one of those moments again, you know, you know, I, I talked to Jim a few times before on my series and, and all we do is talk about old stuff. So, you know, it's, <laughs> I love, I love talking about simple minds and everything, but, but yeah, I mean, the catwalk song has never been, I, I liked in your email that how you're relating it to what right said Fred, which one is the better yeah. catwalk song. And I'd actually say the right said Fred song is the better. That is the correct oh. answer. That is the correct answer. <laughs> I don't know. I think this one has, has longevity up on the catwalk has longevity. I'm not sure about I'm too sexy. <laughs> <laughs> I'm too sexy came on the other night. It wasn't we weren't playing it. I don't know who's playing it. <laughs> yeah, dope. Um, and you started dancing? Oh, of course. Yeah, we of course dancing. you do. We just had like Spotify playlist on. It's what we did. We had a Spotify playlist on and it, it came up and uh yeah, we were having a good time with that. Like I said, this song doesn't it's not like it annoys me or anything, but it's it's not a song of simple minds that I that I kind of turn to or anything like that. And I hadn't seen the video before, so watching the video was kind of yeah. fun. And thinking about, it's not that fashion hadn't been a big thing in every other decade before, but there was definitely a sense of heightenedness in the 80s going on. And even in the music, I mean, you know, with a few years before, and Bowie doing the song and, and, and you know, and, and Duran Duran playing into it, you know, to a, a lot in that sense with what they were doing. Of course, MTV had made everything, you know, fashion really really on everybody's TV even more so than ever. So I understand why the song exists. Um, and it, it's kind of, it, it is fun kind of watching it through that lens and everything. It's, but you know, for me, it's, it's, it's another simple line. Song. What do you think of up on the catwalk, Holly? I love the song. I, it's not, it doesn't necessarily rank among my favorite songs. You could see that uh, they're amping up their game and it's not surprising that uh, Don't You Forget About Me was right around the corner. <laughs> it's a fun song, but uh, again, it's just kind of, uh, for, for me, it's like, I, I don't, I don't necessarily, this doesn't, this doesn't represent the band for me at all. Yeah. Like Promise You a Miracle. I mean, that to me, that's one of the greatest oh, songs sure. of the entire yeah. decade, you know, something like that. But yeah. Oh yeah, that is a good one. Is this song up on the catwalk still on the K-Rock list? Yes. Yeah, it is <laughs> 57. All right, here we go. Ultravox, White China. Do you have any recollection of this band? I mean, nowadays, I now do. you I do. OK, Ultravox, you know, I mean, I knew Vienna at some point later on. Yeah, like that, that came into my world. I would imagine like in Kentucky, this is a band that would did not make any. <laughs> Ultravox was ma- not yeah. happening in Kentucky at the time. And even now when I listen to it, like it's probably really cool to say you like Ultravox <laughs> now. I can also hear a thousand other bands that sounded exactly like them at the time, you know? So it's like, I, so I, and not really diving into their history, like I wouldn't be surprised if they kind of got lost in the mix, you know, bubbled up for a song every now and then, but but they just sort of sounded of the time, you know, uh, ultimately, uh, at least to me now. What about you, Holly? What do you think of Ultravox? Will you stand or fall? Will you stand That's or so fall? I, I, I am. I'm a fan. I, I love the music. I love the sound. I love Majira. Yeah, I guess they were interchangeable with some other artists. I mean, Brian Ferry of the same, you know, around the same time, same similar sound, I guess. You know, I'm supposed to like them. I, I like them, but I yeah. can see how 
maybe people who thought they were supposed to like them like them and weren't right. necessarily real fans of the music. So somebody at K-Rock really liked this song yeah. outside of things, though, and they're like enough to spin it that many times. With I, a lot of these bands, I, I try to think of the uh, the equivalent, like who they would be now, you know? And like, we see that a lot now. It's, it's much easier to see those artists, like who you're supposed to like, you know, these days. Yes, yes. Like, I'm gonna hate, I'm gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna get myself in trouble because I'll, I'll, I'll say some of them, but like, like Kurt Vile, like a Kurt Vile single comes around. I'm like, I need to play Kurt Vile because people like Kurt Vile. And then I think, do people like Kurt Vile? <laughs> <laughs> or do people just know that they're supposed to like Kurt Vile? You know, it's like, does these songs really honestly good? Or you just think they're good? You're supposed to like Ultravox, you know, so, but do you, do you? Yes, I like Ultravox. Kurt Vile, maybe a little bit less. Okay. So, hey, how about you? You you didn't give your opinion on oh, this. What about well, I like, you know, I did like this song. I was never into Ultravox at all. And I kind of discovered Ultravox because Midyear was part of Live Aid and, uh, you know, setting up, setting up that with, uh, with Bob Geldof and Bob Geldof took all the, he was the, uh, the, fa- the face of that. Nobody knew that Midyear also right. wrote, do they know it's Christmas? And does, does the K-Rock fan still, uh, appreciate this song enough that it is still on the list? I'll say no. No. This song is still on the list. <sighs> Number 56. You know why? Because you're supposed to like Ultravox. There, oh, there it goes. <laughs> this is good for you. This is the ca- opportunity to tell you. Well, you don't really have to. This no, is the castor to, oil. They you know that themselves. <laughs> you must know this. By the way, I saw. I told you, Dave. I saw Midger speak at a conference I went to a couple of years ago, and he sang Vienna, and it was lovely. Yeah. Right. Yeah. yeah there's a there's a couple really good Ultravox songs that you know mm-hmm. you dig into the catalog. It's kind of like mm-hmm. Spandau Ballet. Like if you dig a little mm-hmm. deeper, you'll you'll find some nuggets in there. Got two more here. Here we go. Mm. <laughs> Talking heads burning down the house. Have we heard this song before? <laughs> I mean, we're obviously talking about the biggest song on this list. <laughs> yeah. uh, how it's so far down the countdown at this time is very surprising to right. me that it's in this section of it. And it's, it's, it's hard to come at this song with any kind of fresh perspective. This is an amazing song. It's a great song. I, you know, going back, I'm trying to like think of it in ways that I've never thought of it before. I mean, that guitar at the beginning is so interesting. And I, you know, I think I just take that for granted a little bit because again, this is just one piece that's always been a part of my life, but that, you know, that whole thing that's doing like that, that, like that's so freaking cool. I mean, everything that we know about the talking heads, they were rewriting the book in the moments every single time they put out a record. I'm a fanatic of the band, you know, and I still dig what David Byrne did afterwards, even though some of it was kind of forgotten to time. I always thought it was really interesting, you know, and, and you are supposed to like David Byrne, but I honestly do like David. <laughs> <laughs> I almost feel like, and I know this isn't, this is more as a, I'm saying this more as a fan than I am as a professional. We spoke to, we also spoke to Chris Franz last year uh, when he was promoting his memoir. And so having read it and after reading about some of the dynamics, I got a little sad, even though I love him. He is a brilliant artist. I love why he's so compelling to watch. I felt a little sad after I read it, even though it's only one person's perspective. I thought, I don't want to know this. Yeah. Well, <laughs> when you got a guy that's the, that size of out personality, you got to imagine he's probably not the easiest to work with in a band dynamics. It's got to be his show. Uh, Chris, of course, uh, if I remember right, Western Kentucky University grad. So we actually have hey, a connection, right? Yes. Yeah, yeah so. indeed. That's right. So it's, it's, always, it's always kind of been a part of our like talking heads, like not a local band by any means, but <laughs> nah, we got a connection. A little bit. Yeah. Yes. Are you a studio version or a live uh, Stop <laughs> Making Sense version? Stop Making Sense is such a, like, it's its own studio, you know, album, even though it's a live right. album, but it's still its own piece. Yeah. But which version would you prefer? Which would oh, you? Oh, that's tough. That's tough. I don't think I'd even pick. I think it'd just be like, what am I going to go with today? Sort mm. of a thing. You know, um, I keep I keep the studio version in rotation, obviously, in our, our gold category. But I know that when, you know, the host, when we're dropping in our jock picks and everything, that a lot of time we'll hit that live version. So I, mm-hmm. I don't, I don't kind of go one way or the other on that one. Yeah, I, you, Dave? Oh, I, I love the studio. All right. I'm sorry. I love the live version. Stop making sense is so amazing. And mm-hmm. kind of to your point of like the streaming shows and like it's, you know, kind of leaves you hot and cold and like, all right, I can take it or leave it. Um, Stop making sense is just brilliant from the get go. Mm-hmm. And just watching their version of of this and the expanded lineup of mm-hmm. of the talking heads with Bernie mm-hmm. Worrell. It's just wonderful. There's so much going on in that performance. Um, that I, I always love. I always go to the live version. I prefer that much 
much more than the studio version. And that's, yeah, that's just yeah. for me. Did you see American Utopia? The, uh, I, haven't, I haven't watched the, I, I saw, oh. I haven't seen what's on, on TV online these days. Um, I, I, I saw the tour, you know, they, they oh, did you? and everything. Yeah. So, Oh, oh right. Oh, the David Byrne. Right. Yeah. 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 So that's, I got to see that. Um, but I haven't watched the, uh, the film yet. Yeah, it's it's similar. What what were your feelings of like of his stage performance on that? Yeah. It was so fun. It was so fun. You know, um, the brain in the table and 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 the movement. Um, and I talked. I'd done the interview before I saw the tour and knew about the whole thing about movement. Mm-hmm. And and so we got to talk a lot about that. So I kind of went in, you know, understanding the concept and everything. We did see it that one that show we saw in a festival atmosphere. And I would have uh, I wonder what it would have been oh, like in right. one of the uh, art halls. Like usually when he comes to Louisville, he plays. Um, you know, he doesn't play like the usual music room. He plays the arts center. You know, uh, those places like that. So I, I, I would have liked to have seen it in there. Like uh, he came with um, like the Saint Vincent tour, like they did in there, and, oh. and there was so much choreography that went along with that. And it was just you know mind blowing. So I will see the film, but I, the the show was fantastic. Yeah. yeah, it does feel like it should be more intimate. What do you like, Holly? Where where are you on the burning uh, down the house? <laughs> uh, it's amazing that I can ever make a decision. I can't on this one. <laughs> <laughs> All, right. All right. Well, then I will Wait, ask please. you: Is it on the list still? <laughs> yes. <laughs> Okay, you should have you should have guessed made us guess which number. But I'm well, I'm going to ask: Is it Romeo Void is at 35, the Go Go's are at 45. Those are the biggest jumps. Uh, This is a trick question. Where is Burning? Say this is ahead of that. Where is Burning Down the House? Isn't it like the top ten? Yeah. Right. Um, So Kyle, you're saying it's not that high. I'm I'm asking you: Do you think it's? uh, (laughs) Do you think it's in the top ten? You would put okay. Where would you place this? I would at least put it in the top 20. Uh, they have placed this at 54. <laughs> it's still on the list, but yeah, 54. Yeah. Yeah. Interesting. All right. I don't know. As we touched on before, like we talked last week, we talked about the cars and there were some songs mm-hmm. that were big hits yeah. of the cars that are, that they took completely off the K-Rock list because probably it's too big a hit. It's too big to play. No one wants to hear it. All right, let's wrap this up with our final song, number 71. I'm so happy about this one. I'm so happy this one's on the list. Sparks, Pulling Rabbits Out of a Hat. Actually, it's premiering at the Sundance Festival this week mm-hmm. weekend. Uh, Edgar Wright, I don't, uh, mm-hmm. if you're familiar with his work, he's directing this documentary called The Sparks Brothers. It's exciting that the Sparks is mm-hmm. going to get their due. I've done a, a lot of interviews on this already with Sparks. I don't know Edgar, but Edgar does a lot of stuff in town with Jim James. They're, they're best friends. So this has been revolving in my yeah. world for a while. Mm-hmm. I was so happy to see this on this list. Yeah. yeah. What's your experience with Sparks? Uh, Sparks isn't something that I realized that I found out about until well into my 20s. You know, they, they weren't a Kentucky thing. <laughs> Not by far. <laughs> Uh, I don't even remember how I found out about Sparks, but it I was the perfect age, I will say, when I did. Just the same as, you know, 10 years before that in my early teens, when the first time you find Monty Python, like I can equate sort of the similar <laughs> things, like finding Sparks is like f- discovering Monty Python for the first time, you mm-hmm. know, or something like that, because these songs at first are absurd. And then the more time you spend with them, you're like, Oh my God, <laughs> these are such good songs. You know, it's not like, it's not, it's not the same thing as listening to a weird owl record, you know, or it's funny. It's funny. And those are funny. And maybe 20 years later, I can listen to that weird owl record again. Like All sparks. Right. There's a joke the first time around, but then it just becomes a really great song. And, and you know, the fact that yeah. they've spent, you know, 50 years basically taking these mundane moments and making them into sensationalized songs with weirdo melodies and, and operatic pieces within three minutes. You know, it's like you talk about one of the most ill-represented, underrated bands of all time, and Sparks has got to be on that list. Mm-hmm. I know Dave agrees. <laughs> did, did you, there was an, an interview with Edgar Wright in the LA Times. I love, he, so he was asked how he found Sparks band. Like, who did he know? What? How did he know what celebrities or what, uh, you know, artists to interview? How did he know they, they, they were Sparks fans? And he said, there's just, you just know, you just go up to someone. Like, I think he said, he, Jason, Jason Schwartzman, and uh, there were a couple of others that he said, you could just tell that they're Sparks fans and they were. Yeah. Like, like Pat Oswalt or, or, yeah. or Beck, uh, Duran Duran, going back to yeah. Duran Duran, they're in there. They're kind of like your secret little band that ever that's you know only your cool friends know about. They're like, <laughs> right, you know, it's a, secret, it's a handshake band. It really is a handshake yeah. band. Cool band. Are they still on the list? Probably not, <laughs> because it seems like that's their career. <laughs> yeah, I want them to be. 
but I don't think, and I know that they are, have other songs that would, that definitely still are, but I don't think this one is. Yeah, that's correct. The, this song clearly is not uh, going to be played because as Kyle said, that's, that's their, that's their MO. Got burning down the house. Yeah. Right. right. We, got, we got, we got another burning down the house to play. We can't play pulling rabbits out of a hat. Yeah. Come on. Hey, we made it through the list. We did it. Kyle, thank you so much for doing this. Yeah, this is a seriously a blast. Oh, very good. I'm glad. I'm glad you you enjoyed yourself. I mean, obviously, you're you're the the guest that won't leave. He's like, I can stay forever. (laughs) (laughs) This is so much fun. What do you guys need? What do you guys need? Yeah. Well, that was so much fun. Thank you so much for asking me to be here. Sure. Great for doing this. This was this was really fun. Um, where can people find you, Kyle? I'm right here in this basement forever. (laughs) Okay. Perpetually for your. Uh, WFPK.org. Uh, my show starts every night at 6 p.m. That first hour is the uh, streamed hour. Consequence of Sound. I do a new interviews every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday. Of course, you can get those anywhere you get podcasts from. Every, all the places, including the video versions on YouTube. That's there as well. And uh, occasionally, uh, without warning, I'll be on Morning Joe on NBC. Nice. We're going to set you free now. So uh, <laughs> We're going to let you go to the bathroom. Yeah. I think I will. You can edit that out. All right. <laughs> or don't. Yeah. <laughs> uh, Thank you guys so much. This really has been lovely. Yeah, yeah. Thanks. Take care. I'll see you Thanks, soon. Man. Yeah. Bye. Be safe. All right. So we got another 10 song chunk out of the way. How about that? Out of the way? This is so fun. <laughs> okay. You're right. As we break them down into 10 song chunks, they all seem to have their own little theme to them. So uh, it's kind of nice just to hear hear some bands you won't hear from again. <laughs> and here's some B-sides. So I had a, a good time. And, and Kyle, of course, had some wonderful insights into all these songs. Make sure to check out his show, Kyle Meredith with his podcast. Really good. Tell Alexa that you want to hear WFPK. Check out the Louisville Public Radio Station there because that's actually a really, really good station and uh, fun to listen to as well. So you could just ask Alexa to play something with Kyle Meredith and you would get a whole variety of responses. I don't like to give Alexa too many choices. We are a proud member of the Pantheon podcast family, the podcast network for music fans. Thanks to Kyle. Thanks to Holly. Thanks to Dave. All right. And so until next week, this is Dave. This is Holly. Check you later. Over and out. It's NFL draft season, and that means it's time to start thinking about fantasy football. FantasyPoints.com features industry-leading experts and prognosticators using proprietary hand-charted data to help you score more fantasy points. FantasyPoints.com is the place to go for whatever kind of fantasy football you play. Whether you play fantasy football, daily fantasy sports, or do a little bit of everything, Fantasy Points has the meticulously researched content to guide you to victory. And why wait for the fall? Fantasy Points also covers the new spring football league, the UFL. Join the guru, John Hansen, Scott Barrett, Joe Dolan, and other massive names in the fantasy football universe with an exclusive offer. Use code Pantheon for 15% off any Fantasy Points package, including the all-in package, with access to every article, tool, and data nugget that Fantasy Points has to offer. That's FantasyPoints.com and code Pantheon for 15% off at Fantasy Points. FantasyPoints.com, code Pantheon. Score more Fantasy Points.